0: Be good
1: <laughs> Hello friends and hello strangers. Thanks for tuning in to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. This is your pal, Andrew, and with my wife, Tiffany, and our little dog, Pele. We're doing this podcast every week on our way from California to Alaska down to Argentina. We're currently in the lower 48 states and having a dadgum blast. I'm pretty sure Pele's having the most fun of the three of us, but that's just because he's a dog and that's what they do. Tiffany and I are having a great time largely because of the people we continue to meet. We've been just swimming in a sea of kindness and generosity as we've moved through uh, uh, the U.S. and Canada. And uh, the people that you're about to hear from in this episode were particularly kind to us. Steve and Michelle Osman. Now, Steve is Michelle's father. They are super, super kind, super cool people. They're both artists. They do very different styles of work, but both of them are amazing. We got to see both of their, their art and, uh, I highly, highly encourage you to visit our website, uh, mtp.dog, where you will put up some pictures and, uh, links more importantly to their websites, which are, uh, steveosmanfineart.com for Steve's work and michelleosman.com for Michelle's work. They're, I mean... It's, it's unfair of me to even attempt to describe how cool their art is. You just got to go see it for yourself. Uh, Steve also wrote a book called Stumbling Into Paradise, which is available on Amazon, and it recounts sort of the hilarious and, um, I don't know, uh, romantic notion-stripping account of his and his family's journey to Costa Rica where they started a business an adventure business down in Manuel Antonio, Costa Rica. Uh, it's a great read. I'm really enjoying it. I just started it this week and I'm, uh, it's one of those you just want to get back to and finish. Um, anyhow, we talked about art. We talked about family and we talked about one of Steve's passions. It's called art for the environment where he'll be selling his art and giving away the proceeds to various environmental nonprofits, which I think is a super cool idea. And if you're an artist who has work out there that you just can't seem to do anything with, it's sitting around in your basement. You got to get in touch with Steve. He's got some pretty hip ideas. Okay. Um, you're also going to hear from Michelle's little boy who was there in the room. He's or around the house. Um, I think he's maybe eight months old, eight or 15 months old. I can't remember. I think we say so in the podcast. Anyway, he's a young man and he's got a lot to say, but, uh, it's pretty cute. He was a real sweetheart. Um, and, uh, Steve's wife and, uh, Michelle's mother, Mary Lou was also there, but she understandably declined to be on the podcast because she doesn't want to just talk about herself. And I get it. Totally get it. She was also wonderful. Just know (laughs) that she was fantastic and did a great job babysitting. All right. I'm going to stop with all that. I want to thank our patrons. I want to thank the people who write reviews for us on iTunes and Stitcher and encourage you, if you'd like to, to go check those things out. Patreon.com where you can support us for as little as 25 cents a week uh, or a dollar a month, however you want to look at it, 12 bucks a year. It's pretty cheap, and it helps us get down the road. You can also read our journal, mtp.dog forward slash journal, where we write about all the stuff we've been up to. And uh, Instagram and Facebook, at Monkey Tooth Podcast, you can see pictures. We put those up, uh, I don't know, fairly regularly. That's Tiff's job, and she does a good job of it. That's all I want to say. I want to get right into this episode. I hope you enjoy it. We certainly had a great time doing it. Have fun. Do interesting things. TTFN.
2: I'm Steve Osmond.
0: Michelle Osmond.
1: Thank you so much for having us in your house. We are in Bozeman, Montana, which is uh, not where either of you grew up. And we're up, should probably make clear that I'm talking to a father and daughter. This is our first father and
2: daughter podcast and uh you come from detroit or no no my you... wife comes from. mary lou comes from detroit okay yes, i'm a west coast kid so i was uh, born in seattle moved to bellingham spent summers in alaska because my dad was in the fishing business and then california later and you know into high school and college yeah and you
1: were raised in the jungle yeah <laughs> right <laughs> tell me where you came from
0: well, born in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and then off to Costa Rica to Manuel Antonio to, yeah, play at the beach.
1: Yeah.
2: So from one jungle to another. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she was eight and her sister was six when we moved to Costa Rica. Yeah. And we spent time in Jackson, obviously, where they were born. And then Seattle as well, but we okay. were antsy. I was antsy. I wanted to go have an adventure. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and having two kids, two girls, did not slow you down. We just drug them right along. We called it abuse tours.
1: <laughs> what did you guys call it then? And what, more importantly, do you call it now?
0: Oh, it's still abuse tours. It's still abuse yeah, tours. Yeah, it's inherited. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are you looking forward
1: to inflicting that same sort of thing upon your children?
0: Yep. Yeah. My right. husband grew up with the same sort of family, you know, getting drug all around. He went to, he went back to, Yugoslavia during the war, you know, oh, so wow. he's used to it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's, that's abuse tour mm-hmm. possibly earned. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing was called Get Loose or Get Lost. That went with the abuse tour. So yeah. you had to be able to get loose so, and get lost, actually. Wow.
1: <laughs> what was the, uh, the documentary that we watched? Um, oh, my gosh, the incredible primatologist uh, Jane. Fun. Yeah, um, Did yeah, you see the Jane not. Goodall documentary no, no, no. that just came out? Mm-hmm. So her her son... And like I guess, you know, she was a primatologist and her husband was a national geographic um videographer or documentarian. And their kid went everywhere and was having to deal with apes and uh you know things on the savannah and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, let me hear your sad tale of uh <laughs> of a jungle lifestyle. Uh one of the things that struck me in our conversation earlier with your mom, who has declined to be on the podcast, <laughs> so there's anybody out there listening, I don't want you to think we've shunned her or not allowed She's her. She's babysitting right now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, she said you referred to your school as monkey school. Is that true?
0: I just thought of it as homeschool. <laughs> 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 because there was, there was school, which was, you know, the public grade school and then public high school, and then there was mom's homeschool, which was all the time, unless we were doing art. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we learned really quickly that if we were sewing or practicing guitar poorly or painting, we could get out of maybe an essay oh. or math. To, you know, to a limited degree. I can yeah. still. The
2: other thing they learned is if they were really quiet. That's when their parents had friends over, they could learn a whole lot. Yeah. they suddenly be really <laughs> Little, dialed in. Yeah. Frogs on the wall. Nice. Kind of thing. Yeah. That's a great... So they learned a lot there. That's a
1: great education. Yeah, yeah. Don't
0: make your... Don't interject too many questions as a kid. Like, oh, I want to be a part of this. Just sit there quietly and just all ears. Yeah. <laughs> The grown-ups have had a bit of wine, a bit of rum. They don't notice <laughs> <Yeah>. you're there. <laughs>
1: yeah. Two days later, Mom, what is exactly a son of a bitch? Can you explain <laughs> yeah. that to me? <laughs>
3: <That's great. Yeah. laughs>
2: and we didn't have a lot of friends here, but we had some real interesting friends. I can imagine. Yeah. Very interesting friends. Yeah. So... The wanted and unwanted. The wanted and unwanted. Yes, that was a, a theme in many of the bars there. It would say, the wanted and the unwanted, or welcome here. you oh, know? that's wonderful. And, uh, <laughs> and there was a lot of those kind of people. And what years were you guys there in in and Tony? How did we go? 1979, and we left... 89. 1989, excuse <laughs> me. <Yes. laughs> it's a senior moment. 89 to 2000, so 11 years. Wow. Yep. That's a good... Yeah, we were lucky enough to get there right when broke ex-hipsters or old hipsters could actually start a business uh, mm. without any money we had 500 bucks yeah. you when know, we moved down there and uh, and that was very fortunate well tell me about that business what what was your business um, we started off um, I had an old Range Rover like a, one of the long body Range Rovers right out of uh, the guts must be crazy because <laughs> it was constantly breaking down and it was a nightmare car and then i met the guy ron rafael gallo who owned Real tropicalis which was the largest and just about the only one of two rafting companies down there and during a kayak river kayaking trip i told him i was you know not going to get the job i wanted you know that i'd come there for to build an eco resort and i was really disappointed and he's like well we really want to have an outpost for sea kayaking so i've got some extra boats if you want to borrow them which i did and then i told him after a few months you know there's some great little rivers here and that was their primary thing was river rafting so then he gave me a funky old raft called Petufo, which is uh the spanish name for smurf that <laughs> was covered in patches and some life jackets and paddles and we started that up and that became our primary wow. uh you know it wasn't year-round because during the dry season which is when all the people were there um, there was not enough water in the rivers Huh. And uh, we eventually went to two-man inflatables and, you know, the divorce boat, I called it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then, you know, the business just kept growing and so did the competition. You know, we yeah. started, it was uh, horseback riding on the beach or, you know, go with Iguana tour is my business. And by the time we left 11 years later, there was probably... 65 70 businesses wow. you could parasail you could rent ATVs right. yeah it just turned zip into line kind of ex- into a exactly bar. zip line <laughs> yeah <laughs> people falling out of the sky did just, you uh, did you sell that or just close it down and move on I or? sold it yeah sold the business? yeah I sold, the actually time. sold it to some Costa Ricans oh, that's um, cool yeah, they needed. I had. I was a legitimate business, uh, and so many Costa Rican businesses just worked under the table. Mm-hmm. And I had all these connections with travel agents, you know, throughout you know the United States and even Europe, and uh, cruise ships. And so the people that bought my business really needed that cruise ship business. Yeah. But the cruise ship. I mean the those. People, you know, whether it was cruise ships or big um, agencies, they wanted a licensed, mm-hmm. insured yes. you know, they wanted the guides all to have first aid, so they kinda got all that when they bought my business. Well that's great. Yeah. Now, were you old enough at any point ever to have worked there?
0: I worked my um, last year there because I high school went to eleventh grade and so I graduated and then we had a full year before we moved back to the States and so I worked <laughs> Um, (laughs) Hey, Hayden. I worked for Guana Tours. Uh That was my first job, and I was a park guide. Oh, cool. And so I I would, you know, take people off and wander around and tell them about the wildlife and the botany, and they only wanted to hear about my life. (laughs) Yeah, I'm
1: sure. Like, what are you doing Yeah, Yeah. so I would
0: end up talking politics and giving them a history of, yeah, like the culture and what it was like to grow up there and i enjoyed it but i was i was 18 and i made enough money to buy a surfboard and quit
2: (laughs) much your brother's chagrin yeah (laughs) yeah
0: i'd broken my surfboard right before i started working i made three hundred dollars which was all i needed and yeah
1: that'll be all thanks (laughs) surfing's free from here on out yeah exactly that's great so uh, you've not had an interest in being a river guide or touring I
0: haven't. My right. sister was a river guide, and uh, I prefer to give rides to guides mm. because they're usually broke and often have DUIs, and <laughs> yeah. I've given them lots of rides. Yeah. <laughs> I had to prove that I could
2: make it alone now, but that's not me. I wanted to show how independent I'd grown now, but that's not me. I could try to be big in the eyes of the world. What matters to me is what I could be to just one girl. I'm a little bit scared, because I haven't been Look at and said, That's
1: well, not in spite me. of the fact that you've both split from river guiding and rafting, um, you share a very common passion and work in painting. Uh, we've had the privilege of seeing both of your paintings and we will put up links to anything you wanna link, because I um, <laughs> Fascinated and enamored with both of your art, mm-hmm. uh, and they're very different. I mean, it's not that it's you're doing the same things by any means, but you're both painting, you're both creating like, these little worlds and textures on canvas and on different uh, medium. It's just, it's incredible. Where, so you've been doing
2: this, Steve, for for quite some time, painting. Since was? I was a little kid, I loved to draw. You know, yeah. I went through the draw horses. You know, draw battleships. Draw. <laughs> Yeah. You know, basically, always uh, loved it, but I didn't study art in college because I was too practical. Then mm. it was before I became a hippie, <laughs> <laughs> and so I got a degree in environmental biology. Oh, wow. and, but I always continued to. Uh, and that was before you draw. became a hippie. Boy, that the was well. No, you really know, I, I I went to the University of California, at Santa Barbara, and right when oh, I, I moved you. back, moved into Santa Barbara, and I'd done my first year in Colorado. Um, that was when the hippie revolution was taking off. And I was like, you can have this much fun? Nobody told me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I kind of, uh, I mean, I got my degree, but um, I realized that I wanted a lifestyle more than I wanted a profession, which is mm-hmm. kind of what I've pursued up till now. Yeah. yeah, And and it
1: sounds like you've kind of helped people achieve a lifestyle in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, I was
2: lucky to be in the right place at the right time you know whether it was uh, in jackson hall um you know where i went there to ski to figure out whether i was going to go back and get a graduate degree and i met my wife and we just had a wonderful time and uh you know we worked basic tourist jobs yeah. you know i was a river guy in the summer and uh, we waited tables or bartended or did whatever it took yeah and uh you know there was some stress there and trauma sure. you know you start getting into your late 30s you're like what am i doing with my life Uh, got two kids and uh yeah so those were things that we had to deal with yeah but uh yeah we were fortunate costa rica was the same way we moved there right as tourism was taking off so we could do it on a shoestring Mm -hmm. got out of there like jackson right as it was getting discovered by people with money Mm -hmm. and and tourists were coming we're just flocking in and we're thinking oh man this isn't our town anymore and now we're in Bozeman and I apologize to everyone that lives here because it's happening all over again. It's happening here. I was about to say, everywhere you've lived, Jackson, Manuel Antonio here. They're coming. The hordes are falling. They're gonna
1: be like shitty towns in the Midwest. They're gonna
2: pay you to move there to like <laughs> yeah. make it cool. Right, exactly. But please there you make go. Des Moines great again mm-hmm. by moving here. Yeah. yeah. Oh my church is the church of the zeros. And the only philosophy is give nothing, get nothing. So I'd always <laughs> wish that I had actually not been a not-for-profit church if i had actually you pursued know were, the, yeah pursued yeah. marrying people in yeah. the ministry i probably could have made a lot of money yeah yeah there's a lot of money and <laughs> believe in stuff yeah exactly
1: yeah. so how about you it sounds like you kind of gravitated towards art at first as an escape from school
3: <laughs>
0: no i it was just always there yeah Um, Because my dad made art, Mm -hmm. we got access to all of his supplies, which were, you know, far greater than just um, crayons. And as long as we were good with them and put them back, we could do whatever we wanted with them. And, um, you know, between both parents, they just made it very, very accessible and very much a part of... But re- it really
2: was Mary Lou more than me that actually got them into, like, drawing, drawing on the right side of the brain, you know, that she taught them a lot more than I did I, I said here's all this stuff one of the things I think that was most important that I did with the girls like Sunday would just be um, I would make pancakes and uh, put on loud music or maybe even Beethoven or something and then we would get a shared canvas and yeah. we would just all go at it Wow! and the only rule was that you had to ask them if you're going to like cross over yeah. you know go on top of <laughs> what they had done and it was with acrylic so it was it was fast and yeah. dried fast and, uh, and actually, some of those pieces, we ended up hanging in our house. Do you still and, have any of those? You know, they're, they're still down there. Um, when I sold my house, I sold a lot of the art with it, but I kept all that stuff. That's great. Yeah, because it was just uh, so cool. Yeah. And some of them look like these... You know, psychedelic underwater scenes, yeah. or they would, I mean, they were really some flipped out things. Or That's...
0: Kandinsky, like they look like modern art with all these strange floating objects. Uh-huh. And... <laughs> with d- four
2: different styles. <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah. So, and I think, you know, that loosened everybody up, put the yeah. music on, and yeah, and that was really fun. Sometimes we would go up on the river. Remember, we'd like spread, it, get a canvas wet, spread it on a rock, bring all the acrylic paints, and just wow. go at it. <laughs> that so, sounds like. A new business. <laughs> I, what businesses. town can you tired. ruin
1: with that business? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, I would like to go do that right now. Mm-hmm.
2: Just sit out on a beach. It doesn't. It sounds like art therapy, doesn't it? Like all these people of. are selling, you know, yoga and stand-up paddleboards. Well, right after that, you know, you yeah. can go and going. If you're, you're still
1: them. triggered, come on down to the yeah. beach and paint on a <laughs> out of rock. We'll take the, the canvas right off of it. <laughs> Art's
0: supposed to be the new midlife crisis. Like mm-hmm. instead of getting oh, your hog. I thought it
2: was podcasts.
0: <laughs> thank Sorry. god no no thank god
2: <laughs> well, like all the adult coloring books i heard that's going yeah, out of no. fashion but i mean yeah people get you know zanned into filling in yeah. you know
1: paint by numbers Or uh, i still if i go to a um a restaurant that has crayons available i love to get the crayons and just draw stupid things on the back of the kids menu Mhm. Uh, I don't know. I, I should request that more often. I kind of wait till there's an actual child around, They're <laughs> like, can we get two packs of crayons and then I pretend you like I'm bring playing? Bring your own. Yeah. No, I could not. But <laughs> that's a whole different story. But yeah, we, I gotta quit pretending that I'm just drawing with another kid and just ask for the crayon. The, yeah. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> so you're you're painting with your dad's stuff, kind of getting some tutelage from your mom, who just I can say two things. Your pancakes are delicious. (laughs) We had them this morning. Thank you. And your mother definitely um, has the countenance of a good teacher. You know, there's some people you meet you just know can instruct Mm -hmm. and explain things in a way that you're going to get. And what was interesting, she complimented you on having that same quality, which I thought was really sweet. But we we noticed it in her right away. So. So can you talk a little bit about your mom's influence on what? You're... Oh
0: yeah, she's an amazing teacher, and she would, she would pose for us so that we could do gesture drawings of figure wow. She'd you know go put on her bathing suit, which we're used to, and <laughs> <laughs> and pose for us, and let us do contour drawings. And yeah. then she had um, some great books, drawing. I think it's drawing with children, and then drawing on the right side of the brain that are incredible. And yeah. I've used them teaching up at MSU and I've, she's been an amazing resource for that, but yeah, she's a natural born teacher. Like being able to do something is totally different from explaining it Mm -hmm. and, and also nurturing a willingness to, I never felt, especially now that I teach, like I never experienced the self doubt people get in doing art. Oh, (laughs) and it was I think a lot to do with like the environment that she created. It was yeah. really comfortable it was super nurturing, and the expectation was to you know at do your best, do whatever you want, and follow every little kind of journey that you start to take or are mm-hmm. curious about and that's something I'm trying to still hold on to because yeah. in this day and age, you start to get a little bit you know cynical or you question yourself and then you go to school for art and the world comes crashing in. And so to to come back and find that like little self journey that you were on as you know, a kid where you're just following that pencil.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's cool that you've got one parent explicitly telling you to follow your intuitions and one parent you can see has clearly (laughs) just followed intuition. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool that you got that influence. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one thing that the two of you this morning were explaining uh, about uh, about you um, was that the way that you teach, it's almost like you're helping someone else discover their own idea. It's not like you're telling them, here's how you should accomplish X. But rather, you're, it's like you're you're brushing away something, and underneath that, the relief of that is that person's original idea, which is a really interesting way to, to teach. Right. To say,
2: have you thought about... And then let them yeah. fill in the blank mm-hmm. Yeah. as opposed to going, yeah, more green. Yeah, I think it, all of <laughs> yeah. would work here. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you know, we have this, you go and you look at art magazine, art forum, all these different things. And you pick them up. And if you come out of, you know, kind of our background and Michelle's background, and you look at what's making big bucks in the art world and you go, really? That's it? You know, it's... It's like politics. You I mean, it's just unbelievable what people are, you know, paying a lot of money for mm. and or giving power to. And, you know, so that can make you really cynical. So what you have to do is just kind of go, OK, I don't believe in that. I'm not going to play that game. I'm going to just do what I think is quality yeah. work, you know, with my own creativity and Because uh, that can make you really, really cynical. It can, I can imagine. But it, if you look back through history,
1: all the greatest things that have ever come out, like great music, great art, great architecture, there was a muse, and that muse is a, a product of tension, something fighting mm-hmm. against you or something preventing you from, from achieving it. And with a enormous market for sort of fatuous, crappy, paper-thin art... Uh, against you, you've got a, a, sort of a palette to, to make great stuff. Yeah. You know, you're mm-hmm. even more encouraged to do something beautiful and cool, which you both are doing things beautiful and cool. So I want to talk about your specific styles. Now, I don't know how ambitious it is to try to talk about what you're doing instead of showing people, but, um, you do,
2: uh, Steve, a pointillist style mm-hmm. very just, often. Just recently, recently I kind of switched to, um, Yeah. Put, applying a lot more paint very loosely, um, and, but I'm still painting realism in yeah. that. You know, I, start, I started doing lichens because they're beautiful abstracts, great colors, and now I've morphed into sandhill cranes. But I'm still, you know, using that technique. Can, uh, <laughs> so, can you explain to people what what pointillism is and, and what we can
3: the pause.
2: Uh, <laughs> Michelle can help me here. She's got her art history background. <laughs> when, when
3: dots. Did, uh, it's dots. It's dots,
2: yeah, essentially. It, mm-hmm. it
0: started, the The most famous one would be um, Seurat's um, mm-hmm. La Grande Jatte, with which is all dots, you know, of people picnicking on the, yes. like, riverside. And the idea being that it's, it. yeah, it comes out of Impressionism, but it's, it's a little more stylized. Each brushstroke is kind of more... Um, rounded and dot-like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: in fact, right. I don't, right. I was telling you, I, I don't really use a paintbrush much, except mm-hmm. to go in, unless I want to do something very detailed, contrasted against all the dots. But you know, I'll use my finger or Q-tip right. or whatever. Right. And then um, I realize that I, if I don't like it, I paint over it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, or I layer it, so you get a, a wonderful layered effect, yeah. which is really nice. And uh, lovely. Yeah, it's been exciting. Yeah. It's hard not
1: to touch them when you Mm -hmm. see them they look like you once they dry you can touch them yeah I would encourage that especially not with me around I'm
2: a pretty tactile weirdo touching I mean Michelle paints so much more in a renaissance you know an incredibly um, detailed you know her her facility with paint is unbelievable whereas I'm just kind of like you know and the other thing that I've enjoyed is that I mix all my own colors I pretty much just use primary colors and you can mix just about anything even blacks so that's that's really um an interesting thing and it gives you a unified palette because you're you're building off of you know just the primaries yes and uh, and that's helped a lot you know with my painting
1: What, is, what would you call your style?
0: I guess I would call it hyper-realistic. I was actually trying to look up the difference between photorealistic and hyper-realistic. And the photorealists tend to, you know, like, you could pick up that can and it's more still life-oriented. Whereas mine um, start to verge. You know, they're they're very, very realistic, but they have uh, more emphasis on the narrative than on just reproducing yeah. that exact texture and surface quality
1: yours tend to in my view in my impression they have movement you know it, it's mm-hmm. it's realism hyper in that you can see the the eventuality of what's happening in that in that moment you know it doesn't look like just a mm-hmm. still life it's a growing thing i mean you've, what, what we've seen mostly are your cloudscapes and these just beautiful and ominous things that we've all appreciated from afar but are glad are not upon us you mm-hmm. <laughs> know and that that there is a growing
2: sense of some shit is about to happen in your in your. Well, paintings. you feel like with Michelle's paintings, if you blink, that cloud's going to come Gets towards you are. and <laughs> keep changing. And her waterscapes are the same way. You know, yeah. she captures water beautifully. And you know, if you blink, you're going to see that that fluctuation of light. Yes. You know, come at you in a wave or whatever, or yeah. underwater even. Yeah. So that's a pretty unique thing, I think. What? Where did that
1: come from? Where? What kind? Mean, to do that seems like. You've got to have one, just a shitload of confidence in in what you're doing. I've never experienced an abundance
2: of confidence. She's a confident painter.
1: She knows what she can do. Yeah. So what, I mean, how how do you even begin to make a painting like that? Does it start with a sketch are you looking at a photograph or what, how do you get there?
0: I usually look at photographs. I, I take a ton of photographs and, and that's part of where the movement comes in because as you're photographing, the storm's changing. Yeah. And then I get to kind of come back in and... Do you know David Hockney's collages? I don't. He'd take tons of photographs and collage them together and let them be sort of broken up and almost cubist. And so I'll have, like, hundreds of photos of a given storm. And then I usually print all of them. I just go to Costco and print them. And then I'll lay them out on the floor and just tape them together. And I end oh, up with wow. these, like time sequences as they happen and then i start to piece those together usually um you know there's a strong reference happening with one particular cloud or formation but then Mm -hmm. i'm also tweaking little things and finding a formation that i prefer and this one and sort of sneaking it in and adding it here enhancing and taking away and i i really want that sense of movement
1: yeah well you nailed it (laughs) for
2: sure uh, tell me you're saving those things.
1: Oh, yeah. You're, okay. Yeah, I've got cool.
0: all cool. of them. They're tell hilarious. Tell me
2: about your uh, MFA long mural that you did, because I think it's one of the greatest things you ever did. I mean, it was a very ambitious project.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's...
2: Start with the acronym, acronym, MFA. Master of Fine
1: Arts? Yeah. Okay. I'm not very smart, so I just... Uh, <laughs> I need acronyms laid out.
0: <laughs> I... I knew that the space that I was going to show in had a giant back wall and I wanted to have one long painting. So I bought a roll of canvas and cut it to its 29 feet long and about, I believe, five or six feet high. Um, And I, uh, it was a battle. Some paintings are easy and some are hard and grad school is just generally hard uh, <laughs> particularly in the arts because everything that you value and are interested in is being questioned every Constantly. single day yeah exactly and so you know you, you, the way you pass is by doing an oral defense and it's truly a defense and so i i wanted this sort of grand statement and i was trying to actually morph being under a wave and have that turn into a cloud um, because when you dive underwater, our eyes can't see it but great photographs will you know take a picture of it and it looks the way the storm clouds do so they have really similar yeah. qualities so it's trying dive to dive under
2: a wave you're speaking yeah like, under,
0: yeah, under yeah, a, a wave so wave. trying to combine those two qualities and then um to kind of talk about the sequence of time i ended up talking a lot about time in in my defense um i took the painting and segmented it and so it's one whole painting but then i've I've painted these divides into it so it looks like the photographs as they're taped together because each photograph will like the light will change ever so slightly so you can see that faint divide in it and then um on my smaller works i had been screen printing this was way too big to screen print. And so I took, uh, my husband's a contractor, um, the line, chalk lines. yeah, And we just snapped chalk lines across the whole thing and then sprayed it with fixative.
3: Oh, wow.
0: And then I came back over that and I wiped out, because I like the idea of the porousness of, of the cloud and of the water, and so I'd mm. wipe out little areas of it. So there are certain areas where the chalk's throwing, showing through strongly and wow. others where it's not. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah.
1: How long did the piece take you?
0: It's hard to say because I was working on the whole show simultaneously. Um, and I worked on that one. It had a lot of false starts. I ended up cutting two feet off the whole bottom of it or three feet even. For a while, I was trying to tape blueprints onto it. And then I peeled all of those off. So you'd, like, it was a journey into itself. Yeah. <laughs>
2: sounds like it but the finished product was amazing yeah where I is it it's now a...
0: it's in the spare bedroom rolled up <laughs> rolled up yeah <laughs> waiting for
2: a yeah, home 29 if... feet of canvas yeah if you're <laughs> out there
1: if you happen to have a 30 foot wall or maybe two foot walls that can just bend ever so perfectly yeah. uh man that's that sounds like an incredible piece i mean just like a go...
2: It'll find a home. Yeah. Sure. when uh, she's dead and famous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: do you uh, do you have photographs of it?
0: I do. Yeah. yeah, and those are the things that you get room to try out, and you know, you just get to have every harebrained idea, and then you've got the space to actually try it out and see what happens. And um, we suspended it off of French cleats, so it it hung loose because stretching it would have been impossible so it just hung like this kind of open sheet and you could peer behind it and and it actually had movement itself which added to it
1: that's cool that was fun wow and it just sounds like arguing a thesis almost of uh i mean i don't even know what to call it like a art thesis did did you feel what was your oral argument for the thing did you did you have to say anything to these people or and, and defend it Yep. Were they trying to chop it down from no. the roots, or what?
0: Um, because at that point, I'd been working with them for three years, and so we'd had a long conversation, okay. and I'd written an entire paper, and so they're. If you haven't buttoned up your holes, they will be exposed during your mm. defense. But if you've if you've tightened it up, and if you've had a really good conversation going, then you know you're, you're in better
1: in better shape than better shape for cool.
0: it yeah and that you know kind of what the conversation is going to be about yeah i've seen some pretty ugly defenses though
1: yeah, I <laughs> only imagine so the two of you are in the same town uh which is amazing you're here to ruin Bozeman together, Uh, and your sister lives here as well. She does,
0: and she Mm -hmm. does art as well. She's an artist. Really, what is her
1: medium? What does she do?
0: She does these great black and white um, pen and ink drawings. They're very inspired by New Yorker cartoons. They're really humorous and quirky and snide. Very
2: subtle, but and there's a lot of irony. And snide is good. Yes, Mm -hmm. a little snide side. A little snide side. Very talented, well, but she has a 15-month-old you oh, know, wow. son as well. It's Michelle, and yeah. so yeah, you guys are busy. And now he's he's kind of entered into the art, you know, because she's got a new subject besides you know her garden or whatever. Yes, yeah. and her dogs, Snoop Snoop Dogg. Snoop. So yeah, that's fun. I love it.
1: Well, I've not met your sister, but I have now seen her nude. You have. <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, i've i never walked into a home where the very first thing i saw was a giant nude on the wall and then someone immediately saying well that's my sister mm-hmm. that's a first for me and it suggests to me like a very uh mature and and smart way of thinking about the human body where does that come from
2: in your family just you're a hippie is that, it can't be that easy. <laughs> well, that's Michelle's Renaissance Revisited. That's Daphne, her sister is, right? Daphne. Uh,
0: Danae. Danae. I, I, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing oh, it correctly. Oh, but there you go. See
2: Danae. you have an art education. And Daphne's <laughs> Well, I see up there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's uh, it's a wonderful painting.
0: Juliet's posed for me quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, she's one of the main people. And she rolls her eyes, but then she'll she's like, all right. Okay. <laughs> Fine, I'll do this perfectly,
1: whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. just great. I think mm-hmm. it's so cool.
0: We have a family friend who came in. Her face is, for those of you who can't see it, uh, very much turned away. You can see like just a little bit of her profile, and so it's hard to tell who it is. And a friend walked in and was like, Is that you? To my sister. And she's like, Yes. And he's like, Oh, yeah, I recognize your thighs. And like, what? <laughs> Maybe not thighs, but legs, yeah.
3: Right. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. That's a sentence I don't know that I've ever heard. Oh, I, I recognize those thighs anywhere. Maybe he was being coy, but yeah, who knows? That's great. Wow. Yeah. But so where, where does that come from in you guys? Where, like the, Is that a family ethic? I mean, you said your mom would pose for you guys as a kid. Uh, do you just not really worry about it? Don't think about nudity or the human body in that way?
2: I paint animals, <laughs> <laughs> so that's not a conflict. <laughs> Iguanas when I was in Costa Rica, and now well, there's totally sandhill cranes yeah. and yeah. yeah. So it was never an issue. Yeah, my wife wouldn't pose for me. I know that. I've been drawing her sometimes sketches. Stop that!
0: You have a lot of pictures of mom. I they're, do, they're, they're but mostly they're mostly her nudes. hair.
1: <laughs> right. right. <laughs> she does have great hair. She mm-hmm. does. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Important air. Important
1: yeah. air. Yep. All right. So you're both you're both trying to make not trying you're both successfully making art here in Bozeman, and it seems like both of you want your art to leave Bozeman, and to to be exposed to as many people as you can possibly see it. Um, I encourage that. I think it's great. If we had anything other than a uh, and that, that painting that you did is larger than our vehicle. <laughs>
3: just to give you context. We could just wrap it.
0: Yeah,
2: well, <laughs> perfect. Sold. Well, you're the bane of most artists is that unless you're extremely successful, you have tons, tons. of your own art. Yeah. Well, what, and, uh, what are you guys doing to, to
1: uh,
2: shift that burden of, of storage? It's a <laughs> <the> bonfire. <laughs> <laughs> my, my sister and her husband both teach art uh, at a small college or they're just retiring this year. And they always laugh that their house is held up by a basement full of art. And they're like, who's going to take all this? Our kids don't want it. When we die, the first thing they're going to do is have a bonfire. Lucy will. (laughs) You know, and that, I mean, that is a consideration that everybody has too much art. So my idea and my next show um, with my Sandhill Cranes is I'm giving it away. Um, Not totally, but um, I'm hoping people will buy the art And I will donate it to whichever environmental organization, NGO that they like. And that'll be good for me. I'll get rid of some art. And maybe it'll raise my profile a little because maybe a a business or somebody with enough money will buy it. And I can put that down in my bio. But, um, yeah, I just think it's time for me to give back. And I don't know how other than doing something like this because I'm not going to go join, you know, an organization, you know, and... You know, become the creative director of uh, environmental group or whatever. And what I love right. to do is paint, and so I'd like to see that go towards, uh, you know, Mother Earth. Yeah, it's in peril.
1: Well, we we got the opportunity to see your studio today, and you can tell it is a place where someone has a good time. And that, that's true. I don't use <laughs> uh, I specifically. I'm not using the word fun because very often you can be highly pissed off. And still be having a good time, or very frustrated. And I know that that act of creation isn't
2: just like it's not just fun because that's that's not doesn't quite cover it. But well, getting you know, into the zone. Time. I mean, most artists that's where they go when they do art. They get into a zone where they got music on or whatever, and that's it's very very satisfying. You know, it's a drug, yeah. and I'm sure your serotonin levels peg. You know, <laughs> but the bottom line is, afterwards you go, oh, I was just away from my family. You know, for four hours and uh and i spent a lot of money on art supplies and renting the studio mm-hmm. space and how do i rationalize this well i'm retired now so you know thank god that burdens off my back but i'm still gonna make art yeah and i would just like it to go you know to somebody who appreciates it to a good cause yeah so that's where i'm at
0: I'm less altruistic. You're young. <laughs> I need
3: money. You need
2: money, baby. Diapers are not free. <laughs>
0: no, they're not paying for themselves. I'll
2: squeeze some art out of her. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I'm I'm painting and applying to shows and um, galleries and doing the whole try to balance the the creation of art with the art business side, which yeah. is a big area of growth because you know it's so much fun to just go tinker and i want to work on perfecting hair oh i need a, i've got to work on my art resume or my bio and yeah. sending out material but i feel like um social media <clears throat> has opened doors like none other and it's really changing the playing field sure. and Listening to podcasts and Instagram, as, you know, neurotic of a bunny hole as it is, it's still (laughs) a useful one. It
1: can be. It certainly can be. Mm
0: -hmm. And a very visual place to start to, you know, find... I'm finding a little bit more of my particular art culture, which is nice. Because being in Bozeman, we're, you know, eight hours drive from denver and you know the next biggest city so right. it's good to have that connection and to feel like you're a part of a bigger world than yourself and yeah. not just working in isolation
1: it seems like with your art and kind of what you're doing with your altruistic turn of of art donorship how would you even put that in <laughs> donorship art, uh, yeah <laughs> I don't know but it's it's uh, um take it please well but <laughs> it, it uh, I guess what I'm getting at is it seems like with the, the incredible um, height of skill that your art has reached and the difficulties in finding market for that sort of thing, even though it's at peak, I would say, I would argue that in my,
0: in my master's <laughs> thesis of
1: appreciation of your work, it's at a peak. I mean, you've really, you're, it's incredible. And there's a lot of stuff out there and you have to compete with all these things. It almost seems like combining experience like tailoring or crafting some sort of experience for people that could somehow live with that art, maybe take people to these storms, you know, make some sort of uh, experience out of it. Combine the the things that you guys have been a part of. You'll most likely end up explaining your life or why you like to paint your sister nude, but at least you can have people <laughs> out there with you on some sort of Jeez, experience. married now. That's ending. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? Do you follow where I'm I'm going with that? Like that that your art. And these days of, you know, trying to hope that social media will bring in a following that will actually buy stuff from you or um, getting so desperate that you're willing to give the money that you <laughs> receive away to someone else. it seems for a like good For a very good cause. But that, that there is something else out there, some other creative way to, to, to sort of pimp your creative wares. Um, is that something you guys have thought about, like collaboration type of thing or every man for himself at this
2: point? all of us collaborating I don't know maybe down the line I would I would I would uh, defer to Michelle yeah yes because you know I mean she's an up and coming artist I'm an old guy who's doing what he loves and I wouldn't ever want to put the onus on her like let's do a father daughter show because that's so cute (laughs) (laughs) you know so it it may happen who knows you know we appreciate what each other does yeah
1: you can mm-hmm. tell. Mm-hmm. You can tell. There's her art in your home. Yeah, but I don't want to ride on
2: her art. and. Oh, dude, you, you got it. To... She doesn't want to ride on my eccentricities. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's great. Uh, who knows, yeah.
0: But it's good because when I'm like feeling you know unmotivated or down you're like you got to do this you got to apply for this and you know you feed off of each other's energy and it's like if one of you's in a funk the other one's like hey (laughs) i think you stopped using you were gonna stop painting because it was giving you such bad headaches and
2: yeah i was um and michelle said you know dad there's all these organic um you know paints and and mediums and things like that and so and I was going to switch back to acrylics, which I really don't like that much because they dry way too fast. And I don't know. they just Acrylics are great if you enjoy them. But, um, you know, Michelle turned me on to, you know, <laughs> walnut oils and all these different things and yeah. brush cleaners that are all basically organic. Low so. VOC type of thing. Yeah, because otherwise yeah. you're painting with a mask on yeah. and... You know, it's just not the way, it doesn't have that kind of freedom of um, just, you know, and plus I'm into the dip, dab, and dribble thing, you know, with, uh, you know, put on latex gloves, but then, you know, I'll be out there, you know, using my fingers. I mean, I practically finger paint uh, to a certain degree. I'll have to do a time lapse (laughs) Yeah, let people see my process. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Creating an experience
1: for people that somehow intermingles with your art, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, that that when I was asking, do you maintain and retain these collages, uh, my sister told me about going to see, um, uh, what was the guy who made Edward Scissorhands? What was the the uh, director?
0: Yeah, Tim Burton. Tim
1: Burton. She went to see an exhibit of his art in Paris. And it was, you know, he's known for making movies. Yeah. But he's a very prolific artist and draws and makes these sketches. And even that was cool for people because you get to dial into his process and mm-hmm. see how he yeah. builds these worlds. So I, I I feel like what you make is amazing, but even kind of um, enhancing it with the the bits of the process because it's it's hard for someone like myself who I, I can draw flies. So that, um, <laughs> Not stink people. Yeah, no, I meant I just stink. Oh, but uh, the. Um, To see, to imagine how that process comes together.
2: (laughs) Michelle does some good time-lapse photography of her work, which is really exciting. And I'd like to try to do that, too, because I think that gives an insight into where you're coming from and how much it takes, you know, to build up to what you, you know, end up with. And I, I don't know about Michelle, but, you know, I'm so involved with the process, and when I finally sign my name and wait for it to dry to, you know, put a varnish on it, I don't own it. I just... Yeah, it long doesn't long. mean as much to me anymore. Yeah. And I don't care if it moves on to somebody mm. else. You know, which is one of the reasons why I don't have a problem with giving some stuff away. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's true. I feel like um when I finish something, <clears throat> I like to live with it for oh, I'd love ideally I'd love to live with it for a month and then it can go. Like the the process of painting it was mine. Yes. And then and it was an interesting thing because I feel like in my <clears throat> early 20s I had you know up to that point I wanted to keep everything I did and then I I kind of just had this sit down with myself and was like I get to keep them as long as I sell them and <laughs> you know like I get to keep doing them yeah. and they're still mine and I get to go through them and and watch the trajectory of of growth and how it's changed and um but lo- letting them go and and sending them out into the world is A real privilege, you know, hopefully you get to do that. Yeah.
1: I know Steve that you like to. You've carved and done woodworking as well. Um, Do you have any other mediums or things that you like to work with? Do you sculpture?
0: Oh, I I loved metal smithing, but having a metal smithing studio is not going to (laughs) happen. And I found I found ceramics to be incredibly cathartic because. I paint so tight that to just play with clay because I wasn't really good at it was wonderful, but I haven't had access to those. Yeah. And I'd, I'd love to try chipping white marble just because the David's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if that will happen anytime soon. You
1: never know. hmm Is there anything else that you like to make? Uh, did you make your boat? The no, door? I didn't. Did no, you know? okay. I'm
2: not... Uh left-brained enough to do that kind of stuff <laughs> you have a really cool wooden boat though that's a nice boat. i do have a beautiful old classic style dory yeah uh-huh. but uh, no I and mean, i've always dreamed i'd love to go to italy and just uh you know take a class in sculpture and uh in marble but i don't see that happening
1: actually why italy that's the that's the peak that's, that's the where it's peak. done yeah, its best yeah yeah, yeah. You're not
2: kidding around. If you're going to go learn it, you're going to learn for the best. Yeah, or not. But, you know, it's so time-consuming. I mean, when you actually go to Italy and you look at all the Renaissance art and whatever, whether it's painting or sculpture, you're just like, holy cow. They could have just stopped and said, that's it for art. We've done it. You can't do this good. Then just give it up, dudes. (laughs) Because this is the pinnacle, right? I mean, and, and uh, that's why when you look at a lot of modern art and you look at what people are doing, you're like, really? You? I mean, Renaissance painters and artists would just die if they saw what was making millions and millions of dollars. I mean, they would just just fall over dead. Like, why did oh, I work so like, hard? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I think Michelangelo would be like, eh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: give me another glass of wine. <laughs> so let me ask you about that. Where do you think the future is heading for all this? Is it, is it pendulous? Is it coming back to fine art and then goes to crap and then back and forth, or do you feel like it's on a on an arc
2: or a trajectory? What do you what do you see for the future of art? But I think technology is changing things so much. Photography Massively. changed things hugely. That was a huge shift. You know, something that didn't exist before. Um, and then now I think technology, um, what you can do digitally is going to be the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: But it won't have the value of the handmade <clears throat> because it can be so multiplied just the way it, you know, even though art photographs are fantastic, they still don't have the value, like the resale value sure. kind of piece for piece as a painting or a sculpture, you mm-hmm. know, cause it'll that be like classical quality. music
2: classical music will always be appreciated and the people that are really good at it i think that's the would be the parallel mm. um and, and maybe there'll never be another mozart or beethoven or but there'll be people that will keep that tradition alive yeah and it'll always be valued i, I like your thought about that the the, the <clears> one-offness <throat> of it The sort of
1: it's one of these and everything else is a copy of that thing is kind of special whereas on the internet you're almost making a copy even the original is sort of a copy. It's meant to be reproduced <laughs> indefinitely. Thank you for tuning into the Monkey Tooth Podcast. This copy of many other podcasts. But you know, it really is just immediately uh sort of almost disposable in a way. Whereas, you know, what you are doing I mean, although it's very storable, it's not disposable.
0: Even though you talked about
2: twice burning all this <laughs> Wonderful art.
0: <laughs> I think he just doesn't want to burden us
2: with all of it. <laughs> no, <laughs> but my, you know, my daughters have blessed me with asking me for art. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's always nice to come in their house and go. Oh, there, there's <laughs> my stuff. <laughs> <house." laughs> oh,
1: no. So you're both hopeful in in your own way about the future of art.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I teach up at MSU, and the the enthusiasm and the like, the just genuine authenticity of, of the kids up there is great. It's I saw somewhere recently that they were like, if you want to put art down and and say, oh, you know, you should get a degree in something that'll make you money or something more practical, then you should be forbidden from listening to music, watching anything, (laughs) see, like, no Netflix, no art, not a picture for a month. (laughs) See what happens. Because it is our food, and, and we are lucky enough to get to. Indulge in it.
1: Yeah, well, the infusion of art into everything else. I mean, if you think about the the people who have an art background that do all the other things that you enjoy in life that don't necessarily make sculpture or painting, but they uh, have found a way to run a business, or they run a restaurant, or they do any number of other things that enrich our lives kind of constantly. I mean, the, think of all the art um, sort of art grads that work at Apple or that work in any of these these tech companies that provide that creative and special twist that you wouldn't otherwise get. So, yeah. I Absolutely. Think, yeah, if you're trying to uh, talk people out of getting an arts degree or tell people that drugs are bad, yeah, you should have to lay off <laughs> of music, <laughs> of food, of all these uh, things. Yep. yep. None for you. Uh, you're, on, you're on break.
0: Including <laughs> no salt. Yeah, no salt. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: No coffee, no sugar. Mm-hmm. And no, no, smiling. No, no smiling. No smiling. No smiling. Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know we've got uh, we've got a young kid around here who's very desperate to see his mom, <laughs> he uh, might and, be. Man, I'm just I'm so happy to. Have-
3: if anybody is as interested in you as I am, how could they find you, um, either email or social media?
0: <clears throat> I've got a website which is michelleosman.com, and then on Instagram it's michelleosmanart, and. Facebook, there's a Facebook page, but that's linked to the Instagram page. O S M A N, (laughs) right? Yes, O S M A N. Great.
2: Very cool. And I have a website as well, Steve Osmond Fine Art. Um, I have an Instagram page, I think. (laughs) Probably just Steve Osmond. I'm trying to get get more tech here in my old age. And I would like anybody else who's an artist and who would be interested in giving me input into what they think about art for the environment. Um, if people want to give me ideas or help out in that way, I would love to expand it from what I'm doing in Bozeman. I think there's an incredible amount of art out there that people would love to see yeah. get in somebody's hands who appreciates it and have that go to a good cause. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, They don't have to make money at it because it's certainly not making them any money in their garage or in their basement or right. wherever. So, um, a one, that's a my plate. idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you could contact me through my website. Okay. okay. And we'll mm-hmm. definitely put up links
1: to, to both of your websites and any mm-hmm. social media, anything you want to put up, we'll put it up okay. there. And we have taken quite a bit of pictures. <laughs> Thank you for letting us do that. <laughs> yeah, of course. That we'll uh, we'll we'll put up on the website with your permission. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. All right. Thank you fun. so much.
3: Thank you. Thank you. It's been great.
2: And tomorrow the Yellowstone
3: River. Woo. <laughs>
1: dying don't wake up the dead change what you're saying don't change what you said now that it's time
3: that i got out of bed when i walk myself down sycamore street the sun beats down no shoes
2: on my feet and i stumble.
3: Thank you for listening to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you haven't already, or it's been a while, check out our website, mtp.dog. There's plenty of information there. An About tab with a little bio on Andrew, myself, and our dog Pele. There's also a Van Build tab detailing how we did our van conversion. A Journal tab and we, as an Andrew, are doing our best to keep that up to date. And last but not least, a Contact tab where you can leave your thoughts, suggestions, or questions. You can also contact us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram, Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you would like to donate and or subscribe to the cause, you can go to Patreon and GoFundMe at Monkey Tooth Podcast. Patreon is not just a place to subscribe. We post lots of content there as well. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Love to all.